This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3479 for Thursday the 2nd of December 2021. Today's show is entitled, Linux in Los S01E49, Version Control Systems, and why bother on this part of the series, Linux in Los, it is hosted by Monochrome, and is about 57 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, Version Control Systems, and why bother. Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever fancies you tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mom! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back in an open plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusty guide dog, unless on speed, and QT Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Linux in Laws, Season 1, Episode 49. Version control systems, and why bother? Mr. Martin, how are things tonight? Yeah, things are dark, but otherwise good. You, you could go change. inside and turn on the lights. <laughs> it's always an option, ah. Martin. <laughs> oh, that uses energy, doesn't it? It's, isn't there some en- en- um, conference going on at the moment around uh, yes, usage and global warming? It's, and yeah, it's, it's in this... Exactly, it's in a splinter country called Glasgow. Uh, sorry, called Scotland, <laughs> which used to be part of something called the UK, but it's now simply called Special K, <laughs> as in kingdom. <laughs> oh, we got finally got rid of the Scots, are we? Excellent. Uh, and the Welsh, and the Northern Irish, and all the rest of them. So let's okay. see how that sustains the overall K um, um, economy hmm. long term. Yeah. Well, I guess it will um, certainly diminish our beer exports to, to Scotland. But, um, yeah, apart from that, I thought they did their own stuff. Isn't isn't Dogs located in Scotland? Yeah, but nobody drinks that. So, especially well, I do. Not not the Scottish area. You know, just some <laughs> some some, uh, some London, London hipsters. <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't consider myself to be London hipster, but I still drink yeah. the stuff anyway. Uh, well, yes, but then you drink many strange things. So. <laughs> <laughs> From a lukewarm cat piss lover, <laughs> that's probably correct. <laughs> Sorry, perspective. I forgot to squeeze that in. Indeed. Well done. Uh, uh, anyway, ca- how are you? How are you? Not, not so bad. The you, camera people, you, by yes. the way, if anyone's listening from camera, you call it relays. <laughs> 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 Same thing, though. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, well, things have been pretty busy as of late. Hmm. Because Greta got in touch about this global warming thing, and hence Glasgow. 
Yes, we are okay. recording this early November of 2022, I think, or maybe 23. I can't, no, no, I can't no, forget. No, 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 no. It will probably nope. go out in 2022. Okay. Maybe, maybe possibly, maybe. Yeah. But time travel is not the subject, funny enough, of tonight's episode, but rather, Martin, wait for it, version control systems. Ah, okay. How come this is the subject? Because many people wrote in and, and, and say, they, and, and complained about the fact that they couldn't get to sleep. Ah, even even after the open no, source no, licensing no, episode, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Martin came up with the yeah. idea of doing a, a version control system episode. <laughs> oh, what a brilliant idea! <laughs> to 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 rectify this <laughs> to the situation, let's yeah, put it yeah. this way. <laughs> Claudia, if you're listening, this is not only for you, but also for you. <laughs> It's for who? Sorry, oh, Claudia, yes. Claudia, yes, Claudia, our long time. Claudia, exactly, Claudia, exactly. Claudia. So, Martin, what do you know about source control systems? Oh, they're kind of handy when people develop software. Perfect. With that, yes. that, that, that concludes the episode. <laughs> They've been around for, for a listening. long time. Put it that way. Yeah. This uh, is a record now. I mean, I mean, for five, five minutes into the show, excellent. We are making progress. Yeah, it makes, it makes a difference, doesn't it? No, um, funny enough. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Martin. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, the, the first one that probably came across was the old uh, fax file system version control system. But, uh, yeah. Fax file version control system? Well, on fax VMS, it, it uh, used to keep... Fax VMS, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Automatically uh, but, all the files. But yeah, it's not but, quite the same as a, uh, no. a source code control system. But, yeah. No, 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 no. It just, it, I mean, this, this just version files, mm. uh, source code or not. Mm -hmm. But it was a kind of a start of having <laughs> multiple versions of the same thing. I think... Well, the first uh, time that I come across anyway. Well, I think have, the version have, have the, yeah. these kind of things for for paper tape and um, punch cards. Well, ex well, well, exactly. I mean, the first version <laughs> control systems would be punch cards and paper tapes. Yes, mm. back in the days. Yeah, it's a bit hard to, to branch off. <laughs> yeah, but things have <laughs> progressed. Cards, but... Needless to say. <laughs> no, I mean the whole fact goes back to the day basically when uh, you see there was a time when quite a few people worked on a software project, and the, and this is still continuing today. I mean, the Linux kernel alone has more than a thousand mainline, mainstream contributors, if not completely mistaken, plus some hobbies also shipping in. So a comp, a project of that complexity requires some sort of infrastructure because, because otherwise it'll all end up in chaos. So the idea behind source code control systems was actually to bring order to the chaos. And these control systems, and these, these version control systems have been, have been around almost as long as software was developed or has been developed rather. Indeed, indeed. Well, obviously they, they came around, oh, they came around, they, they became more prevalent when the uh, development of software was more uh, geographically spread. Um, but the, uh, and, and by, in, yes, in, in individual companies, there would have been, also source code control systems, but nowadays that's obviously more of a global um, setup rather than uh, you know your group of programmers that worked in yeah, the man. same building in the same room to work on the same piece of software. <laughs> well, that's exactly the drawback of something called open source, right? So you have all these people who think that they're, they're the next big Linus Torvalds and want to contribute to something. So you have to, you have to give them infrastructure in order to do, in order for letting them doing so. 
You see, it's, it's, and you're absolutely spot on. Software development in the open source world is, has to be global and scalable because mm. it's not just a, a group of five people writing a time piece of software, which is then put onto a shelf of a, of a company and then kind of is forgotten about mm-hmm. or something like this. I mean, the, the, back in the olden days, you had teams that was way before, um, children, that was way before the agile movement. <laughs> Grandpa, grandfather's talking now. That was back in the days when you had the V model and you had other project management approaches mm. where releasing a piece of software would take about 10 years, maybe five years, yeah, depending yeah. on the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you don't, and you wouldn't have deployments in Day as in, I think Amazon or, or Netflix or Uber or whoever that is is, pu- is pushing at least a couple of updates per day. Yeah. That was way before continuous integration, continuous development. So you had, and forget about agile. Well, you had teams. MVPs as well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you had teams basically that were tasked with business analysis, then architecture, and mm. then coding, and then Testing. quality assurance, and all the yeah. rest of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So even even a, a small modification to the code base could easily take take weeks, if not months. But in contrast to today, where things are much more rapidly moving, we are talking about at least 15, 20 years back. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at least. So going back to the original question, um, a source mm. control, a, a source, a software versioning system or source code control system was actually the, more or less the only means at that stage to bring order to the chaos in terms of multiple people working on the project, on a project and doing this orderly in an orderly fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the point, I mean, it's no different from today. You'd have to um, do integration testing. You'd have to uh, build releases, but it's, yeah, that's what those systems allow you to do, right? So, um, yes, but you see, alongside the, the overall approach to developing software, um, <clears throat> these versioning control systems have also changed. We're going to touch upon these in a minute about the specifics. Um, but back in the olden days, for example, source control, control systems were server driven. So you had to have, mm, you, yeah. you had, you did have to have a piece of software in place on, on the server side. Yeah. And then people would use clients on their yeah. client machines, funny enough, to check in pieces <laughs> of code. <laughs> And in any contrast to this, if you take a look at Git, and we're going to go into the into the details in a minute, if you take a look at Git, all you need is essentially a machine with the with the SSH access, and mm-hmm. then Git does the rest more or less. So you don't yeah. even, funny enough, you don't even need a, a centralized instance such as a server if you want to do version control on your software. And yeah, that was pretty much facilitated. Well, but, yeah. yeah, and that was pretty much facilitated by the idea. Of when Guinness originally developed Git about 16 years ago, everything that traditional systems such as CVS and and SV and SVC and all the rest of them mm. yes, um, yes, yes. wouldn't do exactly. So anything mm. that these legacy systems would do, Git Git wouldn't. That was the overall idea. So focus was on scalability, security, and some other and some other key aspects, and. Much more importantly, it there wasn't any central server instance. That was the mm-hmm. important bit. Yeah, I've forgotten the CVS actually. That's uh, interesting mention. Um, okay, <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly. Yeah. It's mid it's mid sixties, 
Martin has just <laughs> concluded his first university semester. So, Martin, why don't you tell us a little bit about the about the olden days? The olden days. Uh, well, yes. olden days. There were uh, the, your, there was only one version, which was your um, paper tape or your punch card, and um, yeah, you could only work on it as one person. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you write your program. Nobody else is working on that. And so that's. The show notes may contain a link to a picture of Mr. Visser in a, in a white in a white coat, <laughs> being in some sort of labs uh, lab mm, in the sixties mm. behind a mainframe computer writing yes. his first piece of software. Indeed, indeed. I guess if, was I, if I yeah. if I can wrestle this from his from his cold dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, programs are very much done in isolation and then I guess uh, even the, the Moonlander uh, software was written by various people but still they did were responsible for their part of the code rather than yeah how many thousand um, engineers were, were working on the software um for for this Apollo for for this Apollo program quite a few right a thousand oh, more oh, than yeah. that right yeah, quite a bit. So they must have they must have had some sort of, of of version system in place already, but I think the the whole system really took off, or the whole concept really took off with with kind of really complex stuff like like Unix back in the back in the days, yeah. or mainframe operating systems like MBS or System yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Of course, all of these all of these systems were closed source and proprietary. They were, they were, and extensive. Um, yes. So, and then open source came along, and then things really exploded, right? I mean, I can recall back in the day, I can recall having worked at least with the CVS, concurrent version system, yeah, or whatever yeah, it was CVS, called, yeah. SVT, I came across also Mercurial, and okay. Bazaar. Before I joined the Git movement, but more about this in a second. Okay. Um, all of these, yeah, all of these, all of these head projects were open source, funny enough. Mm. Um, some of them I still use today. For example, if you clone the Firefox code base, the original repo, I think, is still Mercurial. Okay. And f f funny enough, the front end um, piece of software, or the front end client is aptly called HG. <laughs> <laughs> if you get the pun. Yeah. Um, of course, you have GitHub mirrors and all the rest of it, but when Firefox started out about, what, 20, 25 years ago? I mm. think they made the switch mid-tens to, to Mercurial and stayed on this ever since. Well, now, I'm given the fact that... Mercurial myself. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, the bro uh, a browser code base... I think even supersedes something like the Linux kernel base, uh, kernel code base. In, if I'm not completely mistaken, in size, just a bit. Because the browser is actually quite a complex beast these days. Uh, yeah, just a bit. Hmm. Uh, what, are you saying it's bigger than a, than a Linux code base? I guess the Linux code base is more modular, isn't it? In terms of. Mm, some people accuse Firefox yeah, <laughs> about the same <laughs> of the same virtue. I mean, you have JavaScript execution engines, you have renderers, you have OS abstraction layers, and some other stuff. Mm. Okay. 
All right, so why don't you tell, tell us why you changed the git? Well, I mean, there was this chap called Linus Torvalds. I don't know if that rings a bell, Martin, the name, who came up with this brilliant idea of doing a terminal emulator back in the early 90s. Hmm. And then posted a posted a. Oh, wait, 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 hang on a minute! No, 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 wait, 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 no. What do you mean he came up with it brilliantly or to emulator? Do that was in ninety one or ninety two? No, no, no. We had to. Or oh, was that ninety or something? That. Sorry. We had terminal emulators before that. Yeah, I wasn't finished with the sentence, Martin. Ah, <laughs> sorry. Mm. Originally, that was meant to be a terminal emulator for something called Minix. But then you have this brilliant idea of basically turning this into a full-blown operating system and posted a Usenet message. Mm-hmm. I think it was in 92 or something. Or was it 91? I can't even remember. Yeah. And the rest actually is history. Some time ago, yeah. Yes. Okay. So, funny enough, they used... I mean, in the, in, in the initial days, it was just a handful of contributors, right? So it wasn't, I mean, version control wasn't a big deal because you did it via email and all the rest of it. But shortly afterwards, the, the, the number of contributors grew expansion exponentially. So they had to, so they had to, so they had well, to come up with something that would scale along. Yeah, but it, the number of people working on something is, is certainly less important. It's more the fact that, um, people can work on the same, uh, part of the code base. Uh, independently, yes. or at Geographically least know dispersed, when, yes. someone is, when someone has a piece checked out and therefore yes. um, they always have the latest version uh, available if they're working on a related piece of code. So, yes, uh, exactly. So, uh, yes. Funny enough, not all of the Linux, uh, Linux contributors were actually located in Finland. Yeah. Quite a few of them actually <laughs> used to, <laughs> and still do, used to live and, and work outside said country. And never mind, given the fact that when was, when Lilith was still living in Finland, they wouldn't all congregate at, at his house and started coding. Quite the opposite, actually. They probably were in the so, anyway, wouldn't they? <laughs> maybe. Exactly. <laughs> coding on the sauna. Brilliant idea, yes. <laughs> so Lilith had to come up with something called um, a version control system pretty quickly. <clears throat> Uh, because if you take a look at the kernel history, I mean, ARM support, for example, entered in 95. So shortly after this whole thing was devised, you already had ARM support as part of the kernel. And then uh, some chaps down in Stuttgart, Germany, late, late 90s, I might add, took a look at the kernel, at the kernel code base and ported this as a Skunk work project actually to something called the 390 architecture. That was in, I think, 1998 or 1999. But they could only do so because A, the, the source code was freely available and it was version controlled. The latter fact probably not that being that important. But of course they had to make some changes because if you take a look at the Linux kernel, mm-hmm. and Martin, you're absolutely spot on, it's quite modular. You have... The majority of the code base is hardware independent, but then you have an architecture layer, which has to be adopted for each and every processor architecture or SSE architecture mm-hmm. that Linux is running on. And that's exactly where the changes take place with regards to CPU initialization, MMU management, and all the rest of it as memory management, where you need actually hardware specifics. And, and sensible in terms of design. Indeed, and this is how <laughs> operating systems are, how of how, uh, and this is actually how portable operating systems are architected anyway. Mm. So 
and of course, these IBM people had to feed back the changes so that would, that Linux then could add a 390 architecture to the set of supported architectures for, this, for something called the Linux kernel. At the time, they were using a service called BitKeeper, if I'm not completely mistaken. Links maybe in the show notes. But mid, mid teens or early or early teens, actually teens. Zeros, as in 2002, three or something, uh, the company behind, Bit, uh, behind, behind Bitkeeper decided to take the service offline and to market a proprietary software. And that's exactly when Linus said, this is not happening, and we have to move away from this. And this is how Git came into existence. Linus had this requirement of already foreseeing that the Linux kernel would probably be the biggest open source project in history on the planet. So, (laughs) name, name, (laughs) uh, name a bigger one in terms of contributors. I reckon even your browser pales in comparison to Linux. Yes. With regards, with questioning the foreseeing bit. (laughs) Well, I think at that stage, 32-bit, 64-bit was already in place. Mainframe architectures were supported. ARM was there. Intel was there, of course, because this is what it, this is what Linux used to develop the first versions. And people were picking up the copies rapidly in the embedded space for webcams, even back then, and for all sorts of things, as in yeah. as in PlayStation type like type device and all the rest of it. So you had to devise, being Linux servers, of course, you had to devise a version control system that would scale alongside the growing number of contributors to that code base. Mm-hmm. And hence Git was born. Yeah, and uh, I think most people are, have been using it since, really, and therefore not just Linux. By the way, do you know what Git stands for? Do I know what it stands for? Hmm. Yes. Well, it doesn't have the normal um, CS in it, but most <laughs> most most source code systems Mr. have. But um, no, I couldn't tell you what it stands for. No, I think Linus. Uh, I'm not too sure about the well, code, but Linus it's the Finnish version of. <laughs> yeah. No, Linus. Linus. I think, if I recall this correctly, once said that he's he names all the important projects after him. And of course, being Git, being a stupid person. He wasn't too far away here. Now, if you actually type man git as an if invoke the manual page, the name uh-huh. says actually git the stupid content tracker. So, yeah. <laughs> this well, is actually the meaning yeah. behind git. Fair enough. It's not inte- exactly intelligent. That's true. Well, you see, probably now is the time to shed some light on the mechanics behind the version control system, right? Uh, yeah, why not? And yeah, I think in that regard, Git is quite intelligent, funny enough. Okay. okay, it starts with the versions, of course. A version control system should be able to manage the versions. Hmm. And if you actually develop software, you come normally across the necessity to develop something called a branch, meaning you take the existing version of the code base, and, for example, if you want to experiment with the code, you create a copy of this. This branch then may contain changes to the code base, which probably haven't quite fully been tested yet, more or less your playground. <clears throat> Every version control system that I know, including the legacy ones, does support the notion of a branch. Once you have concluded 
your development, you normally check this back in again, creating a new branch, so to speak. And in Git, that would be the main header, so to speak. You, I mean, Git, you can, you can imagine Git like a lock-like structure where people simply commit changes, mm. uh, well, check out versions, modify the code base, commit versions, and then uh, push the, push any changes back to the repo. And this is exactly the workflow that is no different in other, in other version control systems. They all pretty much work the same way. Uh, under the hood, of course, they're quite different. For example, C- um, 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 CVS and SVT re- normally rely on server being present. Git doesn't. Because Git only relies on a file system. Push comes to shove. This can be as simple as a, as a SSH connection. As a matter of fact, our web page, hmm. which is, of course, maintained by Git, as a version control system, doesn't have a central server instance because we only have a machine, currently sponsored by IBM and other co- and other companies, I think, <laughs> if marketing is anything to go by, oh. that has okay. one central feature. It has an SSH uh, access, and that's all that is needed mm-hmm. for for the two of us and some other people to work on the website. Yep. Yeah, so... Um People often refer to these things as uh, trees as well, hence the name branch. Um, yes. And, yeah, so so uh, sometimes people call them trunks as well. Don't they? Anyway. Um, this is where you start at bodies, right, in your vehicle? Only if you're American. So. <laughs> <laughs> well spotted, Mr. Whistle, well spotted. <laughs> Uh, well, well the, in England, you, you would use. American if, you, if you live in America, let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Uh, how would you say in, in in England? Not bonnet, but something else, right? Mm-hmm. Say again. How would you say? What would you say in England? How would you call that in England? It's not. Boot. It's not a bonnet. Something else, right? Boot. Boot. Yes, exactly. Uh, I couldn't tell you the German name. Kofferraum. Oh, it is Kofferraum. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> The place to store dead bodies, Your if carried suit. by exactly, <laughs> if carried by a car, exactly that's exactly it. Yes. Okay, uh, back okay. to the notion of 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 trees trunks. or trees or whatever exactly. And intelligent contr- uh, software control, software version control systems actually allow you, for example, something called rebasing. Meaning you split the history of a commit chain into separate parts, which of course well, yeah, does... hang on, hang on. You, you have to. Well, I mean, uh, what level are we uh, going to explain this? Because most people, not everybody, may know what a commit is. Or what a commit Martin, is. why don't you fill us in then? Well, you were on the roll, so why don't you carry on? <laughs> I thought I mentioned the fact uh, that. You commit a change to code base already, no? Didn't yeah, I? Yeah. Well, what does that mean? It's like, okay. You ch- okay? Uh, you check out a code base that, mm. for example, in Git terms, and I'm using Git just one ex- as one example for mm. for version control yeah, system because uh, the other ones work pretty similar. Although, as I said, the the things under the hood are quite different. If you clone a code base or you check it out, to use a Git term, mm. and then you modify it by committing the changes, you aim at making, at feeding back these changes into the main repository. Mm-hmm. In, Git, in Git terms, that means adding the changed files to something called staging, uh, staging area, 
once you commit the staging area, this is be that this is then ready to be pushed back to the uh, to the main repository, which, as I said, can be as simple as an as a as a server running SSH. Git will then, under the hood, take care of identifying the changes and storing them reliably in a file system. Okay. Right. So what happens after you commit? Then everybody can... Well, once you push the changes to the main ah. repo, everybody can see these changes. Hmm. By simply, to use again a Git term, by pulling down the latest version of the repo. I won't go into the technical details. There are terms like master, head, and all the rest of it uh, floating around. There's an excellent website for Git called gits-scm.org or something like this. Yeah. Uh, details will be in the show notes. And Git, I think, is probably the version control system that has the best documentation on the planet, if memory serves correctly. Of course, that wasn't just Linus doing, Linus doing this, but quite a few hosts, uh, quite a few other people too. So as I said, if you are new to Git, this is the, this is the, this website to check out. So once you have pushed this, everybody can see the changes by simply putting down these changes and also advancing their local copy of the commit chain, if that makes any sense. Okay. What and if they have made any changes themselves locally? And this is where the fun starts. <laughs> then you essentially have to merge the changes. And you and you can do this in te- you can do this the dump way, like the old days, where some version control systems just chose to overwrite the, the last commit, which is not really that intelligent. That's not really a merge, is it? <laughs> no, it's just override. Uh, but more modern approaches, basically, including Git, do it the intelligent way and simply merge the deltas, as in the diffs, to, to use a, uni- mm-hmm. to use a yeah. Unix or, or, Linux, or, or Linux term. Mm-hmm. And Git, to some extent, and the details, as I said, are on the are on said website, Git is able to reconcile the, de- the deltas Already automatically as part of a, as part of a, as part of a commit. Only if you have a conflict, for example, with regards to a specific file, Git will, will flag this and say, sorry, I cannot kind of put this into the, into the repo because somebody else was, was before you. So in that case, you simply have, you have the, you have the possibility of pulling down that chain and essentially remerge and, and essentially merging. Um, your changes with them on your local GitHub, uh, on your local copy before you put it, before you push it back to the repo again. I'm simplifying things. More details, as I said, as part of the Git documentation. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it also depends on how you develop, I guess, as a, uh, as, and how you organize your development, um, in terms of, branches um because some people just work all or work on the master branch and uh keep it that way um and some people prefer to make many different um uh let's call it trunks or or to do uh, separate code lines well, it depends on a your requirements and b what type of coder you are and with regard to your local playgrounds. I mean, some people just love complexity and thrive and, and thrive of, uh, and thrive on, on on complexities. I don't, for that matter. And yeah, positive, yes. <laughs> Good, that's it. And 
and I mean, uh, Git really shines with thousand with uh, with the more um, with more with more developers you throw at it because one of the central features apart from security is actually scalability, because this is what Git is pretty good at. Yeah, yeah. My point being is that Git is the tool, and you can use it in many different ways of development styles or the way you organize your development of. Absolutely. Guns come to mind, right, Martin? You can use a gun basically to defend your house or you can use guns to actively or proactively shoot people. Um, interesting. Yeah, not quite a thought of that as a, immediately <laughs> when I was discussing software development, but hey, what, what do I know? This is just a lazy <laughs> job. The situation in completely different. <laughs> <laughs> um, mind you, can you still um, freely buy guns in Germany? You used to be able to. Uh, no, you can't. Uh, and I can't recall a time when that was possible. Oh no, no, I can, I can. I remember. Um, Guns are highly, are highly regulated in Germany. Living, living they all, they all, no, they always have been, Martin. We, um, Martin, you shouldn't confuse <laughs> illegal gun buying with legal one. No, no, uh, no, with no, legal no, no, gun, no, buy, no, gun no, buying. No, no, I remember very, very clearly as a uh, small boy driving over to uh, Germany to Germany and uh, buy guns. Well, you, they had gun shops where guns were. For yes, them. but you would have to have a license in order to buy a gun. Ah, okay. Uh, you probably use one of these Dutch fake licenses, right? <laughs> well, no needless to say, I didn't, didn't buy one when I was eight years old, but... Uh... <laughs> Why didn't you, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, just had that recollection that they just had any time no, you don't... there was a gun shop, but that's all I remember my recollection. You but... don't have gun shops in, that, in the <laughs> Netherlands? No. And what about the UK? Sorry, what about Special K? <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah. So where do you get your guns from? The, in that case, in in in, in K. I don't know. You'd have to ask someone that um, has a requirement for one. <laughs> well, as far as I can recall, about ninety percent of the rural population own guns. <laughs> really? Oh, uh, shotguns. Yeah, that's different. What do you mean it's different? Well, shotguns are just for flying birds and stuff. for sh- for shooting things exactly. Like yeah. guns are too. Yes, but oh, they have different. You're, to, you're talking about a concealed weapon. Okay, got it. Mm. So, I mean, quite a few people, I reckon. Uh, I mean, not everybody in K can can fly to the US in order to buy guns, so they must they must have some sort of local supply. I I imagine so, but uh, I can't help you with that, I'm afraid. You so you don't own guns. <laughs> Uh, no. Okay. I'm not living in America, so no. <laughs> or in Germany, for that matter. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the stuff basically you can buy at the in 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 these in these uh, weapon shops are mostly are mostly handguns. Uh, are most no, no, sorry, are mostly shotguns. Uh, handguns. I mean, do Why carry a special permit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you're talking black gun shots and all the rest of it. You cannot simply walk into a shop and buy a gun. Okay. This is not America. <laughs> Well, for some strange reason. I don't know, maybe things have changed recently. Who knows? But we digress. This is not the gun. This is not the gun podcast. No, (laughs) this is actually the Linux in-laws podcast. So we're we're, okay. Um, Branches and trunks and all the rest of it. Yes. So yes, Git allows you, among other things, basically, for example, to support rebasing, which comes in handy if you wanna if you wanna identify, for example, the point in your commit chain where things went wrong. Meaning, define you. You or somebody else commits changes A, B, C, 
Martin then commits changes uh, DEF, and somewhere in the middle, the whole thing fucks up in, in terms of really breaks. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does compile, but you have a um, segmentation violation before you even start the program. Ah, you mean rolling back to a previous version, right? Yes, exactly. And this is exactly what where rebasing comes in in terms of um, you can identify the point in time where a, simply a, a version stops working. Well, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, you can identify the uh, commit number or whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Um, yeah. You can easily go back to the version that works. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's a very good description of this. Yeah. That's okay. the fact that Git is quite hipster friendly and yes. Um, oh, yes. Uh, Git, Git, if you're listening, the address is sponsor at linuxinlaws.eu. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you say Git hipster friendly, but uh, there are obviously many uh, development tools that. Uh, no, this, the, yeah, ex ex exactly. I mean, the, the, the beauty about Git is, and this is somewhat different to the likes of Mercurial Bazaar and and some other legacy systems. And people, yes, I know there are Emacs major modes or minor modes for all of them, so don't shoot me. But Git is probably the, the version control system that has the best integration in hipster tools like VS Code as a Visual Studio Code, PyCharm, Snowstorm, whatever that PHP yeah. thing is called these days, and IntelliJ and Eclipse and you name it. Yep. I mean, if you open Visual Studio Code, it'll detect that a .git file is present and will, will immediately integrate the whole thing into your version control system, the code yeah. that you're trying to edit. And this is, this is quite fancy, actually. Mm. And yeah, so... Did Linus write that as well, did he? What did Linus write? Visual Studio Code, now. I think it's written mm. by Microsoft. Yeah, okay. Is that open source? Uh, Visual Studio Code is, yes. Hmm. How come? Do we know? Because Microsoft decided to open source it. That's nice of them. Anyway, sorry, we digress here. Yeah. Indeed we do. <laughs> In contrast to Visual Studio, which is not open source mm -hmm. and has to be bought or something from Microsoft. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, that's the bottom line. In terms of uh, all of the kind of things that hipsters and other people who program in fancy coffee shops like <laughs> support more, more or less these days, support Git. Um, plus the fact that, of course, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't forget to mention that there are quite a few commercial offsprings oh, yeah. that have functionality, that have the functionality built into Ah, uh, you mean like a GUI Git. or something? Uh, well, yes, it's called a browser, and the whole and the whole tool chain is called GitHub. If that rings a bell, Martin. Yeah, indeed. You probably use it every day, working at your or you used to work at your hipster GPU database thingy, right? What's the name of the company? Britlet, Brightlight, Britlet. Yes, yeah, yeah. Brightlight, yes. But I mean, everybody uses. Uh, well, I don't know. Pretty much everybody. No, uses some some remaining people use actually something called GitLab. Okay. Which is a somewhat comparable offering. Okay. It's an open core company, pretty much like Redis and all the rest of them. Mm. And the idea is basically to have a community edition, which is free of charge, open source, and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But then if you want to do enterprise type things, you have to rely on a commercial license. Right. And of course, there are also pure open source alternatives available. For example, Gitea comes to mind which the luck, actually, that I'm supporting uses for, funny enough, their website. Okay. So that's a... That's a, that's a 
Yeah. yeah. What's the reason for using this? It has a browser interface, among other things. And some the some of the are... some of the hipsters that are part of the website team for the Lark prefer browser access. Uh, let's see. And it has a nice browser-based administration yeah. administration yeah. interface, and yeah. that's something that hipsters really like, mm. especially fifty-year-plus uh, plus old hipsters oh. that form something called the Frankfurt Analytics User Group. Okay. They're like the GUIs. Okay. <clears throat> They're like the, the the browser access. Yes, mm. uh, because I mean, setting up a a project in Git is a little bit of a, of of an effort in terms of you have to administer users that have access to the project. You have commit rights and all the rest of it. And this is where these kind of Git Lab, GitHub, Gitea projects really shine because they have functionality built into this. And GitHub do, does, of course, as well, because this is how GitHub makes their money by enterprise features, selling this on a subscription basis. That's how the whole thing works. Mm-hmm. This is why Microsoft shared out how many billions for this? Yeah, one or something like this. Yeah. It was amazing. It was quite it was, a good chunk yeah. of money. It was a chunk of money, and people at the time were wondering why they did such a thing. As in, it's probably branding, but I digress. Mm-hmm. Anyway, to cut a long story short, this. Add on this added functionality on top of pure Git, you don't get out of the box with Git. So people started to build ecosystems around, and Git here is probably the best example. It has nice browser-based access. It has a very funky CI/CD integration as a continuous yeah. integration, continuous development integration, which makes the work, the associated workflow with code maintenance and, and modification just a breeze. Including setting up projects, team members, and all the rest of it. For example, uh, we use Hugo as a static website generator. More on the, more more on more on the architecture, Ken, Mr. Fallon, if you're listening, in an upcoming episode is already planned for next year, where the beans will be spilled on how we do it. But suffice it to say, if you check in a change of the website like a markdown file what gitea in the background does is is through a and git is the same pretty much through a commit so through a so-called commit hook it actually triggers a yugo invocation that simply rebuilds the website on the fly so you pull down the website you change a file you commit this file you push the changes to the to the gitea instance and then on the fly, um, the website is rebuilt using Hugo, plus a few other things. Okay. Sounds rather handy. Which Could is you, um... exactly, which is quite handy. Yeah. Because we have about six people working on the website con- uh, simultaneously, as in concurrently. Okay. Um, links in show notes for the website name? Luckfrankfurt.de. But Gitea is probably much more interesting for the people who are think along similar lines. And of course, the GTA link will be in the show notes. Okay. Very good. So for the few listeners who we didn't manage to put asleep yet. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Martin, any, any final thoughts on version control systems? Uh, final thoughts. I think, um, yeah. Um, 
from the clunky uh, versions, commercial versions of the uh, 90s to uh, what we have these days. It's, it's been the quite a progress. Yeah. Indeed. And um, it all works rather well, I would say. It takes a little bit of, uh, but not very long, to get used to these things or to work out how they work. But um, once you have done that, they are very easy to work with. And yeah. It keeps your code manageable and plus the fact that, as as I already kind of touched upon, the 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 the, the all prevalent, visible, present, whatever you want to call it, Git thing is built into most IDE tool chains. Yes, yes, and this makes things really, really easy. So uh, yeah, I mean, it does. Yeah. Changing a file is simply, or actually putting or committing a change back is as simply as, as changing of, as saving a file and then either some Emacs package or some Visual Studio Code integration takes care of the rest. And mm-hmm. also basically flags any conflict and gives you tools at your disposal to resolve these conflicts pretty much out of the box without having to resort to mysterious command line mm-hmm. um, things if you choose to do so. Yeah, I mean, command line and hipsters don't really go together in the same sentence, right? I think I'm the only hipster in my local coffee shop that used the command line. Since when are you a hipster? <laughs> Always been. <laughs> have, have, you, have you done some time travel? <laughs> Martin, there are a few things yeah, you don't know The machine is working again, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Before I forget, we should probably, before we conclude this episode, discuss poxies. Oh. Yes. And as one of your regular listeners will recall, poxies are our picks of the week mm. in terms of if, if Martin has come across something apart from Special K, which is, of course, also a, what's the name of the band? A placebo, a well-known placebo song, I might add. Song? It's a, it's a serial, isn't it? No, yes, uh, but Placebo simply borrowed this as as a as a as a title for one of the songs. Okay, oh, not familiar. And that I'm would actually a song of some sort. Yeah. Yes, and that would actually be my pox. As in, yeah, um, Sorry, it's... What, what, I'm confused. What's your pox? <laughs> my pox is special K, as in the oh, serial, okay. the, the placebo song, and now <laughs> known as a, a country northeast of something called the Netherlands. Sorry, Northwest. It used to be an isle, oh, yeah. formerly known as the United Kingdom, but now it's all, it's just called Special K because the splinter groups like Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland decided to break away for a reason. We are recording this in February 2022. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, we are Martin. <laughs> Um, Martin clearly hasn't enjoyed the the the, um, really the advantage of time travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no people. Uh, Formerly, this country was known as United Kingdom, but forget about the United. Lizzie, if you're listening, good luck with you. Good, good, good luck to you. Just stay inside, just in case. <laughs> well, she's struggling with her health at the moment, isn't she? <laughs> that's my understanding. Yes. So mm. the dissolving union didn't exactly help matters, but that's beside the point. Anyway. Okay, what's your pox? Yeah, uh, it is. I'm just trying, trying to remember the name. Um, I could tell you the the story. I have to remember the name in a minute. Um, 
there's a story about uh, an FBI agent who uh, infiltrates a far-right organization in the U.S. Um, yes. The name you're looking for is Donald Trump. <laughs> No, no, no. That's, that's not, Are you sure? It isn't an organization. <laughs> just checking. Uh, that's all. Yeah. Um, it's um, uh, what's his name? Harry Potter is in it. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Harry, po- Harry Potter infiltrates the FBI. Nice one. <laughs> is that one of the sequels I haven't watched yet? <laughs> clearly, clearly, yes. This is this is the latest Harry Potter. You, you probably not. Nice come one. out in Germany, I imagine. <laughs> so, what's the angle here, um, apart from dark magic? No, no, it's, it's 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 quite interesting. Um, Harry Potter infiltrates the, the FBI. Okay, yeah. <laughs> does uh, Voldemort actually, play a part? I wonder. He uh, puts up a pretty good American accent as well. So it's, it's not bad. Voldemort or, or Harry Potter or both? No, Voldemort doesn't doesn't feature in this movie, unfortunately. He doesn't. Okay. No, no. Uh, anyway, so the um. Yeah, so it's 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 definitely worth watching. It's quite Details name in the show notes if, if we can dig um, this up. <laughs> I just can't remember the name here. Yeah. As with all these American films, they all have like a, a two word uh, title, don't they, which are very similar. But uh, it's uh, it's a very, definitely worth watching. It's a very good. Um, uh, uh, yeah, good I think the fact. movie is called Federal Magic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe no, not. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, anyway, maybe uh, there, yes. maybe there is no such thing oh, as federal magic. Imperium. That's, there you go. The film is called Imperium. Imperium. Mm. So, what's the storyline then? Well, um, no, your chap infiltrates have, the, I, the FBI, and then what? No, 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 no. He works for the FBI. He infiltrates. He works for the FBI. Okay. Yes. Uh, some some cesium has been stolen, and he uh, the suspicion is that this has gone to a far right group. Uh, so he infiltrates these um, uh, organizations and tries to find it. And that's a TV series or movie or it's what? A movie. Yes, yeah, movie. Yeah. Movie. Okay. That's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, available but, uh, on yeah. Disney Plus, Netflix, whatever. Uh, it's a 2016 movie, so probably. 2016? Okay, mm. it's ancient. Yes, yes, only just recently. Children, 2016 was the year when mm. Visual Studio just got the light of the day or something. 2016? No, it's got to be older than that. Visual Studio Code? No, sorry, not Visual Studio, but Visual Studio Code. No, I think really? it was around that time, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I just, this, this feels like I've been using No, something <laughs> happened in 2016. But uh, yes, well, yes, yes, yes. Many Mon- Mongo floated. Really? If okay. memory serves correct, yes. Mongo, of course, who, uh, who, for, for the few listeners, A, is still awake, and B, remember that episode on, da- on the databases with Professor Meyer, featuring Professor Meyer. Oh, yes. Of course, Mongo would be a NoSQL database, and that company floated in 2016. Uh, yeah, it's it's. And Martin still regrets the fact that he didn't buy shares at the time. Not really. I was never a fan of MongoDB. So. Martin, they floated at 27, and now are worth 550 or something like this. Uh, who needs money, right? It's... <laughs> exactly, Martin. No, who no, needs money anyway? Go, go with the open source. Uh, uh... 
Um, what do you call it? Uh, ideal, is it? If the employer of said Mr. Vista is listening, Martin has just decided <laughs> to donate to donate his salary to worth to worthy cause. <laughs> so stop the paychecks and just send it to a a, a charity of your choice <laughs> because it's yeah, just well, money, as of, we just heard that anyway. That doesn't really work, does it? Because then <laughs> I can't eat and I can't have a house, so then I can't work for them either anymore. So this is this is called this is standards, right? Pay you, really. <laughs> See. But Martin, as we just heard, it's only so money anyway. Right, it's no sweat. You keep working for them. It's, it's quite clever. Really. <laughs> <laughs> They've got that quite soft. <laughs> I see. Martin's anyway. just trying to, trying to wiggle his way out of this one. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's pretty much it. Any parting thoughts? Final thoughts? Not, not for me. No, no, no. Well, it is Halloween after all, so happy Halloween. Yes, and um, we're recording the, yeah, in 2022, uh, Halloween has moved to February of 2022. Yes. It's part of this flux compensator transductor thing mm. or whatever. I don't know. Maybe yeah. picking such, such a cheap mechanic wasn't the best idea after all, Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems there's something many, seriously wrong with work, the machine. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening and looking forward to hearing from you in terms of feedback. Oh, feedback, yes, feedback, feedback, yes. feedback, yes. Oh, if you have any feedback. Have? No, we don't have feedback. No, we don't have feedback. But if you have oh. feedback for us, the address is feedback at linuxinlaws.eu. Likewise, if you have enough money, because as we, uh, as we understand, as, as, as Martin rightly observed, it's only money anyway. We just love to take your cash. The email address is sponsor at linuxinlaws.eu. <laughs> Especially if you happen to be Microsoft, IBM, sorry, not IBM. IBM, if you're listening, uh, we do not take checks. We only take, no, no, we only take cash. That's very important. Ah. (laughs) Other companies will may be able to to give us credit card details, but we only take cash from IBM for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Or anyway. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Bitcoin is always appreciated, but so is cold hard cash. Especially coming from from IBM. <laughs> anyway, with that, are you looking, looking for forward? A new job? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Why? Oh, okay. Well, you keep mentioning IBM. <laughs> uh, no, Mark. They would have to pay me in cash. <laughs> <laughs> why transfer wouldn't work for me? No, not really. Okay, enough said. Enough said. Yes. See you next. Joke aside, IBM. If you're listening and want to get in touch. <laughs> Oh, the address is sponsor exactly sponsor underscore IBM at linuxinlaws.eu special email address just for you. Mm. Anyway, do send us mail and looking forward to having you back soon. This is the Linux in laws. You come for the knowledge, but stay for the madness. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Tap attribution, share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margo, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You find these and other ditties licensed under Creative Commons at Jamando a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts.
Good idea. Uh, yes, by the way, you didn't get the memo, right? Because um, I'm not too sure if you were CC'd. Marketing is asking why you haven't fired them yet. Because oh. the fortnight is over. <laughs> is, is that a new record? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, Mr. Visser. <laughs> it sounds like it. Maybe they were cheap. <laughs> Maybe they are cheap. I see. <laughs> Very good. We can keep them for a bit. Yeah. Can we now? Um, <laughs> if you're still living in this strange country called the UK, hmm. which is where it's 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 K these days because the union will break away soon, right? So I don't know. A country, a country named K. Excellent. <laughs> like special I ha- I K. Haven't, I haven't heard anybody. <laughs> um, Dying to break to, away, but yeah. You, yeah, you seem to be out of touch with reality, Mr. Risser. Oh, I don't watch the news. It's all nonsense. <laughs> Fair play to you. <laughs> nah, waste of time. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. But you're still hmm. funding the BBC, so that's okay. And I can. Yes, it's very unfortunate that they should really cancel this <laughs> bloody TV license for all the nonsense they produce. It's absolute rubbish. Well, plus you're paying for your Netflix subscription on top. No, no, I don't have Netflix. No, no, no. Disney Plus. Disney Plus, yes, yes. There you go. Same thing, almost. Well, it's better than BBC. (laughs) Is that hard to achieve? I wonder. (laughs) Yeah. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR is kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.